Welcome back to Say Who Say Pod, everybody. He is Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. The Washington Huskies are nine and two after a fifty-four to seven victory over Colorado. And Danny, you can put away your slide rule and your abacus. The Pac-12 broke down all of them, all of the tiebreaker math, all the tiebreaker scenarios for this weekend. Uh, are you are, are you straight on what on what Washington needs? Because it's it's a bit of a winding path that that they 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 have to see go down here on Friday and Saturday. I have no questions about tiebreakers. The only question I have relates to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. If USC gets into the college football playoff, which would mean they win the Pac-12 championship, they, they win that playoff game, is the Rose Bowl obligated to pick the team that lost to USC in the championship, or do they, do they have their pick of any of the rest of the Pac-12 teams? They are not obligated to pick the Pac-12 championship game runner-up. Um, they, so the language that they use, and I, I, I have cause to think that they will, they will stick to this. Um, the language that they use is that traditionally, quote unquote, they will select the highest ranked conference team in the college football playoff rankings. So that's what you're looking for. You need, you need USC to make the playoff and for Washington to be the next highest ranked PAC 12 team. And, in that instance, they would go regardless of who USC beats in the in the championship game. Now, that brings me to my subsequent point: Who's higher ranked in the in the college football playoff rankings right now, Washington or Oregon? Oregon is. <laughs> However, in the scenario you describe, Oregon would have to lose. Oh, that's one true. More game. Yeah, they do. So this. This is, and I was I was talking about this a little bit with somebody earlier today, and we'll have some more clarity tomorrow on what the uh, what the playoff rankings look like for this week headed into the the final weekend of games here, because Washington was 17th um, coming into to this week, and Oregon was 12th. So you can expect Washington to move up. UCLA lost. Some other teams lost. Um, Utah lost. We'll see what they do with them. They came in ranked 10th this week. Um. Yeah, the the question would become if Washington takes care of business and if Oregon if Oregon beats Oregon State or otherwise wins a tiebreaker um and the Ducks lose to USC in the championship game, I think you're looking probably at the margin and okay, was it was it really close? And it's it's that old debate of like do you punish a team for playing an extra game for a championship against a really good team while Washington got to sit home and watch? Hell yes, you do. That's a third loss, baby. <laughs> Not only that, Washington won head to head and on the road. Suck it, Oregon. That's the other factor, right? That the committee would have to consider. Like, well, you know, if you if you have them ahead of Washington going into a championship game against a team that in this scenario would make the playoff, do you punish them for having to play and then lose that game? I'm sorry, I had to cough a little bit there. Um, or would you would you say no no like if you already think that the that Oregon deserves to be ranked higher and there's a whole debate there as to whether they would even with with two losses since they played head to head in Eugene but you know would would you say that like a a touchdown or closer game would be enough for Oregon to stay ahead of Washington even if they lost that game or do you do you then get into well three losses versus two losses and they won head to head I kind of think that, like, if that's the direction you're going to take it, they would need to position Washington in the rankings, you know, a week in advance rather than, you know, jump them way up ahead of Oregon if Oregon just has, like, a close loss to USC in the championship game. I'm going to I'm gonna believe that that's one of those things that will work itself out as it should. That, that's that's going to be my theory. Like, if it comes to that, if that's the actual scenario that comes down, that, that USC is going to the college football playoff and I, I i think washington will end up passing them they're gonna have three losses and they could also you know if it's like a really tight close win against oregon state or something or they don't look good or they don't play well or something you know they could they could use that as their justification for maybe dropping them or, or moving washington ahead or um either way like who, who would the rose bowl prefer straight straight up between the two programs yeah, it's a good question. Does what you think Washington's going to travel better? I think they would travel well. I think Oregon would too. Yeah, um, Oregon's got a both, great fan base. Like the 
the crowds have been okay. They're not. They're, they haven't been great at Husky Stadium, though. I think. Don't you think Washington would be happier to be there? I think so. I believe so. Oregon's expectations were maybe. I mean, yeah, I don't know that Oregon's ever going to be disappointed with a Rose Bowl, but like they were in playoff contention for a chunk of this year. Oh yeah, what happened? When did that end? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I like. I I got to think that they would be. They'd be thrilled with either of those. Like, look at it this way: they're looking at at either you know, overwhelmingly likely having either USC, Oregon, or Washington. And I, I got to think that there's not a scenario there where they're going to be like pissed about it. You know? Yeah. Um, I you know the Caitlin DeBoer in a first year coming off a four and eight season and. You know them being a lot better than anybody expected, and you know having a a really good quarterback and a fun offense and all that stuff. Like you know, but you know, Oregon checks a lot of those boxes too. So yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, Oregon has been more recently, but it was three years ago. So I don't know that that really matters. Yeah, I'd, it it'd be um, it'd be interesting to get an honest answer on that one. But yeah, that could end up. It could end up being a a 1995 Cotton Bowl esque drama surrounding that one, where Oregon got to go with a an at large bid into that game, and there was all sorts of you know, oh, but Washington finished higher, blah blah blah. That, and all this that so. was that's that's probably in retrospect the funniest press conference I've ever been to. Uh, I was a junior at the University of Washington. Is that right? Yeah, I was a junior when that happened, um, and. Uh, there's they they would have where do they where do they do their weekday press conferences um it used to be in the founders club what is that the thing that's up in the like uh, above heckhead yeah oh wait oh the... that's where they do them now so well, they they did for a long time they don't need more but is this that not was, where it was in some skybox like it's on the other side i'm trying to think but oh uh, the uh the don james center yeah i think that's that's what it but it was like on the, on the second deck um where where the mucky mucks watch the games and you go in there, and Lambright, they had a handout, man. Like, they had a handout with stats talking about all the ways in which Washington would be a better choice for the Cotton Bowl than Oregon. <laughs> um, it included, I, might, I might have to write about this. It, it, included, it included the circulation of the newspapers because you had <laughs> the Tacoma News Tribune, the Seattle Post Intelligence, and the Seattle Times all covering Washington compared to the Eugene Register Guard. I'm not I think they gave him the Oregonian, but I'm not positive. <laughs> like they might have just had it be the Eugene Register Guard. Um it was like different sort of strength of schedule. There were like all of these different and like Lambright was making like an actual appeal that you should choose us. Like we're a better fit for your bowl game. And the issue was to any self-respecting Washington fan was well Oregon beat or Oregon won that game head to head like and it was a crummy way to lose like lawyer Malloy forced this late fumble and John Wales John Wales missed two different kicks um in the game there was a kickoff return for a touchdown after the second missed field goal one of the Oregon players had taken uh white towels and fashioned them into a noose in which he was like uh the sort of he was he was acting out choking because that's what we was like it was and, and this was that was after that game is when Lambright talked about we don't teach hate and there was a lot of debate over Oregon players spitting on the plaques for Washington's different bowl appearances in the tunnel like it was it was a mess Kenny Wheaton had been the year before this was the game that Washington was supposed to have its get back it didn't get its get back and then after losing it in the wake of losing it a couple weeks later you have this press conference in which Lambright is is invoking all these sort of things and I will never forget Bud Withers uh, whom I love dearly and was he covered the Huskies at the time for the Seattle PI and and then the column he wrote the next day about it included it talked about mentioned the newspaper circulation a couple of the other hokey measurements that washington did and then he said and diane downs was from springfield which is really close to eugene now (laughs) me being relatively new to the area and 20 years old i was not familiar with who diane downs was i don't know who that is either i believe it's a serial killer like or it was someone who was accused of serious crimes i'm 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 gonna look it up because i don't I don't want to be flippant about uh, 
Yes. Uh, she she murdered her daughter and attempted to murder her two other children. Um, Jesus. Then she claimed that somebody had carjacked, like tried to do this whole it wasn't her. Um, so she gets convicted. That's from the 80s. So Bud has the line in the column the next day. Diane Downs is from Springfield, which is really close to Eugene. <laughs> it's just like, oh, man. And the, the sports information director at the time, um, he always said, like, I worked at the Daily, so he would always say demeaning stuff to us and insult us. Not, I mean, we probably deserved it because we're jackass college students. The next day, we're waiting for uh, for the practice to get done because the reporters don't have any practice to it. And I see this, the, the sports info director go up to Bud and start talking to Bud the exact same way he would talk to us, which was just like this patronizing... I don't even know if the coach reads the newspapers, but it's just this sort of thing. And and after the sports information director, I went over to Bud and I was like, I thought he was the only one. I, I thought he just talked to us that way. It was weird to hear him talk to you. And Bud gave a very, very funny line about how seriously he took the criticism that he had been subjected to by the sports information director. But like, I was like, Bud had the pitch perfect. It's a brutal, it's a brutal line, but it was absolutely fitting how asinine the argument that Washington put forth of why they should be chosen instead of Oregon when they finished with the same record and Oregon won the head-to-head meeting. I might have, I might have to dig into the archives for a, uh, you know, comparing. Because it, <laughs> like that is, it, it, it could end up being very similar to that, you know? And you're going to, you're like, you're going to have, of course, Twitter, Twitter makes it much easier for everyone to state their case and bring up all these different points. Um, what's, what's the case for Oregon over Washington? <laughs> If they if they get into the championship game and lose to USC. Yeah. Or or even say say whatever like for them to get in over Washington now. What's what's the actual argument? Like I try not to get all hung up on this because rankings I I refuse to get that invested in why is X team I refuse to take that vote more seriously than the people who vote on it take it. Like the, yeah. like, like the coach. Like I refuse to, to engage in that. But like honestly, what's the argument for why Oregon should be ranked ahead of Washington right now? I think Oregon would say, look, it, the head-to-head result was, uh, you know, as close as it gets, down to the wire, could have gone either way. Um, we absolutely handled UCLA, a team that basically handled Washington. We had to play Utah. Washington did not, and we beat them. You know, a, a, a week after a, a tough loss to to Washington, we took you know. So that's two quality wins that Washington doesn't have, and what'll probably get overlooked a little bit. But I'd say we went and played the number one team in the country, defending national champions, the week that Washington was playing Kent State. Yeah. So but here's you can't, you here's can't, here's what here's how I would back that up. I'd say if Oregon played Kent State in week one instead of Georgia, they'd be. 10 and 1 right now and would you say then that Washington's 9 and 2 plus a head to head win would supersede their 10 and 1 Sure but you can't list a game you lost by 46 points as a selling point No I know that I and like like you can't. again I and, I wouldn't I wouldn't bold underline that one <laughs> that, but, that that would be somewhere down around the newspaper circulation on the <laughs> on the on the list but I think like it's it, that is something that I think about, and I think the voters in the committee probably think about that too. When at, I think you have to look at those games at the time they were scheduled. Washington and Georgia sought to schedule a quality non-conference opponent. Now, Georgia probably a cut above Michigan State, but how how high a cut above? Like, clearly those teams are significantly different this season. But when the schedule's made four or five years ago, like, they're in the same ballpark, right? Like, they're the same They're the same cut of beef. Yeah, and, like... And it know, turns out that Michigan State is a significantly worse team than Georgia. But Washington... Tr- it's not like Washington's schedule was designed to be inferior. Like it's a decent schedule. Like I'm not going to say it's great because their second their second non conference game. I would prefer that be like a middle of the road Big Ten team or a really good team from one of the non Power Five conferences. And and it's not Kent State isn't, but it's a solid schedule. And 
And when we get into this, let's scientifically measure how effectively they executed their schedule, like all the degree of difficulty. Oh, man, like their schedules aren't all that different in in theoretical terms. They they each have two losses and Washington beat them head to head on the road. Yeah, that's I mean, and I, I'm not making the argument either way. I yeah. just I you could justify either one. I think now look, it, it would be I think very hard for the committee, knowing full well that they're essentially choosing the the Pac-12's Rose Bowl representative in the case that USC is one of the top four teams. I think it would be hard for the committee to to rank Oregon ahead of Washington with three losses and a head to head defeat which is why I think tomorrow's ranking is going to tell us a lot. Yeah. I think the the distance between and in the AP poll this week it's 10 and 12. Oregon's 10th and Washington's 12th. So that's a, a much more narrow gap than what you saw last week. I think that the CFP ranking is is um you know let's see how close together they have Washington and Oregon and and then you know let's see how much a potential obviously a bunch of stuff has to happen although if Oregon beats Oregon State that that clinches it. Let's see how a potential Oregon USC Pac-12 championship game would would play out. I think if it's you know if USC wins convincingly, I think Washington in 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 the case in which they beat Wazoo and they're ten and two, I think would have cause to feel pretty good about things breaking their way um, come uh, come selection Sunday. But I don't know. Like I I think it's all about what the committee thinks of those teams going in. I just I have a hard time saying that you earned the opportunity to play for a conference championship you're playing a top five opponent while the other team sits at home and obviously not by Washington's choice they would you know in this in this instance they would have loved have loved to have been in that game right and say that a close loss in that game is enough to drop you behind a team that we ranked you ahead of coming in I just I I don't I don't know how I don't know how fair that is do you know what we don't say enough anymore like it's really a phrase that's fallen out of favor, and that's too bad. Tough titty. <laughs> is that something that was ever said when you were growing up in the in in the wilds of the Pacific Northwest? It was a very common expression. Where I've heard it, yes. Yeah, tough titty. <laughs> 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 Whatever. Uh, I have looked up the story from 1995. This was written by John Blanchett, a columnist. Is he is he still writing his column in, in Spokane? Uh, he's not. No, he's a wonderful writer. Like, Amazing I, writer. I, I, I love I love John Blanchett. Here are some of the these are statistics that Washington handed out like on a on a handout at a at a Monday press conference. Washington tens upon ten opponents have a cumulative winning percentage of sixty two percent. Oregon's ten have won just forty eight percent of their games. Seven of UW's opponents have winning records compared to five of Oregon's opponents. And four Husky foes have won eight or more games. No Oregon opponent has won more than six games. <laughs> the Huskies have played five teams ranked in the top 25 at kickoff. Six if you include the, poach- the coaches poll. Oregon has met just two. <laughs> and then the, Here's a direct quote from Lambright. Like this is, this, <laughs> this, this is what Lambright said during the press conference. Where you really get into why we ought to go is that this is a year of NCAA sanctions. And we still have been chosen by ABC for four television appearances. <laughs> they have no restrictions and have been on twice. Just look at the TV market. We're 12th. They're 124th. <laughs> and you can throw out the difference in attendance and see how many more people follow us. See, kids, college football has always been about the TV markets. <laughs> It's always been about the TV appearances. It was it was the saddest press conference that I've ever been to. Like, I really wish I had had the requisite experience at the time to understand just how path- pathetic the campaign was. They go to the Sun Bowl and lose to Colorado that year? Yes, which was the source. Uh, uh, no, they lost to Iowa. Iowa housed them. Iowa, that's right. Now... That is the source of another fantastic story that relates to the same sports information director that I just told you was trying to give Bud Withers the business. Um, the next, so it's not that game. The next time they went to the Sun Bowl, I'd have to look up when that is. They're down there, and there was an old school newspaper writer who covered the Sun Bowl for the El Paso paper, and 
he was talking like they're all sitting there watching practice and talking and the that sports information director asked about well didn't you guys lose to iowa the last time you were here and the sports information director said actually i think we lost to jose cuervo <laughs> i know this one yeah <laughs> and the reporter for the el paso paper like put the quote like attributed to him in the newspaper <laughs> And he was livid, like which you can understand why. Was, yeah, I wouldn't official be real pleased about for the that. The UW <laughs> department talking about how a team that includes a number of underage, not legal to drink, got got beat by Jose Cuervo because they spent too much time in Juarez. To be fair, they covered. <laughs> Jose Cuervo was favored by about. Eight and, a half, eight and a half, I think. Well, that that ninety five team was actually a very good team, um, and they they, were. they 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 lost a couple of tough games. Like they they were in position to beat Notre Dame. They were driving down the field and had a chance to come back and beat a pretty good Notre Dame team at home. And and Damon Heward threw a pick six. I think it was to Alan Rossum, a corner who ended up going on to play for the Eagles. They they had that loss to Oregon. Like they were, they were a good team. They were up twenty-one points. They were up twenty-one-zero on USC entering the fourth quarter, and then they couldn't close it out. Like it was, it was a really good team, and and they just they 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 kind of gacked in these close games, and and then went by the time they got to the Sun Bowl, they were not interested in playing football. <laughs> they hadn't gone to a bowl game in two years because of probation, and it was on like Donkey Kong. I did a story last year on the uh, the 1997 Aloha Bowl. Oh, is that is that the one that got Lambright fired? No, that that was um, that was when they so they they were a very good team, a top five team preseason and at times I think during the year. But Rashawn Sheehy got hurt, and they had a bunch of other guys get hurt, and they they lost three games in a row, and ha- ended up being having a pretty disappointing season, and then went and, and blew out Michigan State and, and Nick Saban in, in Hawaii. And I talked to Cam Cleland, who was on that a senior on that team uh, for that story, and he was like, "Yeah, man, we." He's like, "We partied, we had fun. Uh, it was, you know, that it was it was definitely a priority to uh, to make sure they got the most out of, out of their trip to uh, to uh, Oahu." Uh, but then they, you know, they went out and took care of business too. So that was like that was the rare like best of both worlds game where you know you know reading the coverage at the time too they were open about it. Like they were in Jim, Jim Lambright was telling reporters like, well, like they have no curfew for four nights, but the two nights before the game, they, you know, they got to be in bed by this time. And that's way stricter than what we've done in the past. So they, that team, I think that that's the team that had, I think nine guys drafted off of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Dr- yeah. It's something like that. That that was a huge, that was a huge draft year for them. Um, Brock came back. Brock came back the next year, and then they went back to because that was when there were two Hawaii Bulls. They went mm-hmm. back, and I think, I think that game they played in the better of the two Hawaii Bulls. The next year they played in the worse of the two Hawaii Bulls, the Oahu Bowl, right? And then that was the one. So there was a linebacker named Ken Walker, who was a fairly prominent recruit, I believe, and he was from Hawaii. And I, I'm, and there was a, there was an issue because I believe in one of the nights where everybody went out and had a good time, he came back and was pounding on on a hotel room that he thought was his to to be let into said hotel room, and it was it was the hotel room of the athletic director. Oh well, that's the wrong one. Yeah, which didn't the turn wrong out door. well, and so Lambright ended up kicking him off the team. Like where he wasn't, he wasn't even going to be allowed on the sidelines for that game, and it was—I think it was his last game—and it became kind of a huge and and dudes just tuned out on Lambright. It was kind of the final straw, and and again, Bud Withers ended up writing a story about kind of that was that was a moment where guys just really stopped wanting to play for him, and and had had kind of tuned him out, and then that was believe it's after that season where they fire Lambright and then end up going and hiring Rick Neuheisel whom 
I believe the previous year Barbara Hedges had been been uh, blown away by like really enjoyed watching him um, and thought he handled himself very well because I believe that Colorado team was playing at the other of the of the Hawaii Bulls the previous year. That Aloha Bowl was it was the contrast between like Washington, which made no secret about the fact that it was there to have a good time. And then Nick Saban was very, you know, stern and and kind of taking it very seriously and Michigan State was going to have curfew and all this and I think after they won it was either either Jason Chorak or Olin Krutz or some you know one, one of their older like really good players has said something like oh yeah maybe they maybe they should have been out partying with us you know <laughs> <laughs> there was also the trip where Jerome Payton got ticketed for like he was he was driving a moped or a scooter and got ticketed for like failing to stop when an officer instructed him to stop. <laughs> and they had Jack Aroot, who was the sideline reporter, did a little like a lighthearted little segment on it during the broadcast. That was the other thing. So that whole game is on YouTube. Oh, really? And it was like you know for the Aloha Bowl that like it was a pretty big time production. Like they, uh, Brent Musburger was on the call. I think it was Brent Musburger and Dan Fouts, um, Jack Aroot on the sideline. It was a top twenty-five matchup. Uh, Michael Buffer did the did the starting lineups over the PA with his his you know wrestling style, and it was kind of a you know and it had a kind of a big time feel to it for being you know a mid tier bowl game. So you know that was, a, that was a fun one to look back on. I, I have a question for you though. Yes. So and it's it's just the the next logical uh, direction from from how we started talking about the Rose Bowl. Would you rather? Washington wins the Apple Cup. Oregon loses to Oregon State. Cal pulls off the miracle to beat UCLA, and Washington gets into the Pac-12 championship game. Or have Washington win the Apple Cup and then let the chips fall where they may and, and try to get Washington a a replacement spot in the Rose Bowl with with USC going to the playoff. My preference would be to get the crack at USC. My preference would be because I want to stick the stick in their spokes and flip them over and keep them from from getting to the college football playoff. That 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 would that would be because I don't. I think Washington could beat USC right now. Um, I don't I, know that's a great matchup. Oh, for for Washington. Yeah, it's neither team is going to play much defense. Um, I mean, you're probably right in that those USC receivers are going to spend the entire game running behind Washington's secondary. But whatever USC is doing on defense is a mystery to me. Like I don't, I, I, I'm sure Alex Grinch is a very nice person and everybody really liked him when he was at Washington state, but that's one of the worst USC defenses that I've ever seen. Like it's, it's a terrible defense. Like they're they're And I don't think, I don't think it's their players. I, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and and you know, I I don't think anybody, at least affiliated with the program, would ever want to like turn down the opportunity to play for a championship. And it would be quite the statement in Kalen DeBoer's first year to get into that game. Which do you think um, has the greater? Which do you think is is a greater likelihood of Washington getting into the Rose Bowl, though? Oh, it's by far more likely for them not to play. Here's the thing, though. Going to the Rose Bowl and getting smoked is not a like, and that's very much on the table. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not excited about that prospect. So, if you give me, if you, if you give me the choice between wreck USC's chance to get into the college football playoffs and win a Pac-12 title, and then the, the downside of that is you just lose that game, and then you go to a lesser bowl that you're probably going to be more competitive with. Like, there's the downside there is extremely low. Like there's there's really no downside to that. The, the downside to getting smoked in the Rose Bowl is significant. Like this of all of the Washington teams that I was would have that I've watched, like this would be like it would be hard for me to imagine this team with this defense getting to a Rose Bowl. Like that's like there's a little bit of me that feels like, "Oh, you're going to get exposed. Like you're going to get hung out to dry and you're going to get your ass paddled." on on national tv and i'm gonna feel obligated to go there because the rose Bowl's awesome and watching the sunset like i'm not gonna miss that but i'm I'm fully buckled up for the likelihood that i think they're gonna get freaking drilled 
This is just, you're just gatekeeping the Rose Bowl. You just <laughs> a don't little think they, bit. You just like don't a, think they deserve it. A little bit. Like, honestly, yeah. Yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit of that in me. And it's not enough that I would say, like, oh, I'm hoping they don't get there. Like, I'm, I don't I don't want anybody to mistake this or, or, or to think that, like, yeah, it'd really be my preference that USC sneaks into the, the like, loses so this, this all gets taken up. No. I guess not that. I'm just saying, if you give me the choice between the two, I'm going to choose the, the one that, that doesn't necessarily include getting your ass paddled in the Rose Bowl, which I think is very much on the table if that happens. Much like they lost to Jose Cuervo, though, in the Sun Bowl, perhaps they would not be matched up against Ohio State or Michigan. They would be matched up against disinterested, disappointed Big Ten runner-up. And that's always a factor. You never know. Are they going to want to be there? So who who's that going to be, though? We'll see. We'll see, we'll see on, on Saturday, and um, Washington's 2023 quarterback commit will also see in person, up close, Lincoln Keenholz taking an official visit to Ohio State this weekend, by the way. Wait, why is he taking visits if he's already committed? Mm. That's the South Dakota kid? Yeah. What the hell is going on? Uh, Ohio State wants him. So, so, Maybe. Wait. Uh, he, I don't think he has an offer yet. But, but, but he said he's going to Washington. What the hell is yeah. going on with these kids? Do these kids not stick by their... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go down that full route. <laughs> I hope he has a good time and goes out there. Um, yeah. When... If Ohio... If, if Michigan wins that game, who do you think ends up at the Rose Bowl? I guess I'd talk myself into the idea that they had a chance. And I'm, I'm probably being too mealy-mouthed about this. <sighs> And it's not like Michigan. I mean, Michigan got bailed out with some calls, so it's not like they're impregnable. It's just, man, Washington is. I. I mean, yeah. That's, I think you're looking at the loser of that game. Yeah, yeah. Am I really? Am I being? Am I being a weenie here? If it's if it's next Sunday and and USC has won the Pac-12 championship against not Washington, but Washington is ten and two. And the rankings are revealed, and Washington is going to the Rose Bowl. You're going to be you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be upset. No, no, no. I'm not. It's just going to be because the Big Ten didn't go to the they didn't go to the non divisional lineup, right? Like they've still got their divisions, right? So, yeah. so whoever, <laughs> so whoever wins on Saturday is going to go play what Iowa? <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's like the it's it's like the worst it's like the worst division race ever. Uh, yeah. So Iowa and Purdue are tied at five and three atop <laughs> the mighty Big Ten West. See, now if the if one of those teams was to go to the Rose Bowl, I'd be all for the Rose Bowl. That's all I would angle for. <laughs> I just I just don't want any of the teams from the good division to get down there. Like I'm all for that. Um Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna be bumped. Like the answer to it, like the but I really think I, – I don't want to be in a situation where I want to not win a conference championship and get to the Rose Bowl. I, I, I guess that's what I would say where you said, would I prefer the convoluted scenario where they get to play for the conference championship or, hey, they end up sliding to the Rose Bowl without playing in the conference championship? I'd rather they take the path that goes through the conference championship. Yeah. that's. I mean, obviously that's what that's what Washington would say. I just – and then there's kind of an outside maybe shot at the Cotton Bowl. That's the other New Year's Six game that has an at-large spot. But um, Tennessee getting bounced from playoff consideration might they might, might bump like yeah. Alabama down to that spot. So yeah, all the people that spend all that time crowing about the SEC. Like I've watched Tennessee a few times. I don't think they're very good. I'm not sure how it's happened that they've been able to slide through. And 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 go through the entire season with only two losses, but I I don't think they're very good. Well, and Hendon Hooker just tore his ACL, unfortunately. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, did you stay? Did you stay up for the whole Colorado game? I did. Yeah, man, that's dedication. That is a bad Colorado team. Like, these yeah. are really that's that's that is up there with some of the worst. I would identify the Stanford teams of kind of that that Tyrone and just before Tyrone Willingham era 
as the worst Pac-12 teams that I've ever seen. And like to be a, it takes to be a truly bad team. It takes more than just disinterest. Like Washington under Tyrone Willingham, like that's a god awful team. But they also there was there were some serious problems with with the motivation. Like I don't think that was entirely a talent issue. Like Colorado, like Colorado, that is an awful. That is a Walt Harris, Buddy Tevens ish looking, like Stanford era kind of talent that's on Colorado. That is a that is a bad program. It uh I don't know that they're the very worst conference team I've ever seen. I mean Wazoo in oh eight and oh nine yeah, Wazoo had their bad. issues. Obviously Washington in oh eight comes to mind. I think I think um uh, my father in law like texted me during the game about Colorado and I think two thousand eight Washington would open as a favorite against them. Yeah. Yeah that team I mean they you know that's kind of a a weird deal. They had some NFL players but you know, won five games the next year. I don't know if Colorado's capable of a similar turnaround, although this is the, the transfer portal era. You get the right guy in there who can attract a couple playmakers or two. You you never know. Arizona went from one and eleven to they're only four and seven, but you know, they're they're clearly much better than they were last year. It's it's not like it it can't be done, but it's not often you watch a college football game and like really kind of start to feel bad for one of the one of the teams playing, but yeah, it's I, I feel for Colorado. You know, they're going through what they're going through. They fired their coach, but to finish the season against Oregon, USC, Washington, and now Utah in the last week, and you're a thirty plus point underdog uh, all through the month of November. That's uh, that's rough. Is that the worst job in the conference? Um, see, it might be, but I don't know that it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you could make an argument for. Oregon State just because of the resources and your your second fiddle in in your own state to your rival and all those sort of things but they've shown you know a couple different times just over the last 25 30 years that if you if you get the right guy there it can be done. And Jonathan, you know, they're 8 and 3 right now. Jonathan Smith's doing a great job. So like I I think it's a it's a very it's a, like it's a very specific niche of head coaches that that could do what Jonathan Smith is doing at Oregon State, but like it's not impossible. Um, you know, Mike Leach showed at Washington State that you can have a, a baseline expectation of of going to a bowl every year there. That's not impossible. Um, Jake Dickert has won seven games in year one as a guy who was not on anybody's radar to be a head coach a year ago. So. Uh, you know, I, I, Colorado doesn't have the recent history of success. Their national championship game, national championship win, is a long time ago now. That's a long ways in the rear view. Um, I still think it's an awesome stadium to go watch a game at, and Boulder's a great city. I don't know how you know how any recruit wouldn't in, enjoy a trip there, but um, they're down bad. There's, <laughs> there's just no other way to say it. It's one of the programs that suffered like the most precipitous fall over the past 30 years. I mean, it's and there's a there's a little bit of me that wonders if some of the geographic dislocation has played played a role in that kind of similar to with Nebraska, where they they're now although with Colorado you can't say that they're not a cultural fit with the Pac-12 in the same way that like Nebraska's clearly not a cultural fit in the Big 10. Like it's it's a plain state, like it belongs like with its Big 12 brethren and and it's up with all of the Rust Belt cities. Like Colorado, like use that is that is a school that like fits with the West Coast vibe. Um but they they certainly don't from a football stance. Like they've and it's been a pretty steady progression. It's a pretty steady progression downhill um, to the point where I, there's there's not a ton to feel good about if you were going to end up being like they're they're going to have to really sell that as a rebuild and and get somebody on board um, to they they need a young energetic coach to use that as a stepping stone essentially. Yeah, it's it's going to have to be a portal program probably for the next I mean they they lost so many guys I mean they had so many guys go out the door like they've had some talented players you know Washington saw one of them at Michigan State this year Jarek Broussard Jarek Broussard was the Pac-12 offensive player of the year two years ago yeah. like in the COVID season there's a thing like Carl Durrell's first year the COVID season 
they they played well, you know, like they were when they go like four and two and they they played and did they get a bowl game? Maybe were they healthy enough for a bowl game? It all kind of blurs together. And I think they might have gone to a bowl and lost, but they had a good, you know, had a pretty good year, and it was like, oh, hmm, okay, maybe. And then the last two years, just oof. Yeah, Jeez. I think they're a school. They're one of the schools. Like they're to me, they're kind of in that like Cal territory where I could I could see them doing well with sort of some of the mid tier recruits, like in Washington. You know, where maybe you don't get that Washington offer, you don't get that Oregon offer, but. Hey, you can you can still play in the Pac-12. You can go to a good school. You can you know spend four or five years in a cool city, and you know it's and they've gotten a couple of those guys. Like when they played Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, their quarterback was Sefa Lufau from Tacoma. Mm-hmm. So it feels like that kind of program, and those kind of programs can can have some success. But it's um it's going to be a long climb back for whoever they hire. I did see, and I forget who it was who. Who put it out there? But there was a rumor circulating about Deion Sanders in Colorado today. Oh, really? That'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be. Well, that would inject some energy. Twenty four seven Sports had that report. Interesting. I'd love to see that. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be you know talk about injecting energy. Yeah, Jackson State's undefeated. <laughs> Jackson State's fun, man. I, yeah, I know, and they get dudes. Yeah, they do. Some people I know have talked about like there's there's a little bit of concern that, I mean, Dion is very much about Dion, and that whatever sort of buzz that he creates for that program is going to last only as long as he's there, and it's not going to necessarily be a a thing where he leaves the the program better off than he that than he found it like it's that it's a vehicle for him but at the same time like he's brought some excitement and some interest to Jackson State and to some of those games it's got to be fun if you're in that conference either playing for him or playing against him yeah i mean i uh colorado could do a lot worse so if he honestly like the only surprising thing about a report like that is i think he could do better you know it depends you know you need you need the right job to be opened and all those sort of things i'd be a little bit surprised if he would want the colorado job but um you know maybe he would see it as a challenge i don't know and again that's i don't know that that report was necessarily of reciprocal interest but um one to keep an eye on at least it was a uh it was a bounce back week a season changing pivotal week for me in our picks danny there we go are you pulling away one against the spread uh, and if we just waited, if we just waited for Chris Hudson to falsely move the line in Utah's favor because he kind of implied that Bo Nix wasn't going to play, and then Bo Nix did play, I could have got Oregon at uh, either as an underdog or or maybe as only like a two or one point favorite. But instead, we picked that one with them as a three point favorite, so that pushed for both of us. So that's our first push of the year. But I was five and zero oh aside from that one. That is that is a, a juggernaut. Like, uh, how far are you ahead of me these days? Uh, only two games. You went you went three two and one. So you you missed on UCLA and and you you had faith in the Buffs to cover thirty one and they they couldn't even do that at halftime. So <laughs> they were so they were so bad, man. It was looking though. I mean, for most of that first half, it was looking like, hey, this is a backdoor cover range type of game. Washington's up three scores. Okay, if it's twenty-one nothing at halftime, like they got to score a couple more times. They got to keep Colorado off the board. Like they're going to put their backups in eventually. They're going to have a chance to to get it on the board here. And then they snap a punt out of the end zone. Washington immediately scores. They fumble the kickoff. Washington adds three more, and it's thirty-three to nothing. And it's like, okay, they're probably going to cover. <laughs> it was yeah. It was. It, they took care of business, right? Like that was that that was how that game is supposed to look. Yeah, they did, and I think like I think I think it was just such a mismatch. It was kind of a trap proof game, you know. If they're playing Arizona or Arizona State, um, maybe you could have said that was a that was a trap game, and oh look out, you know, sandwich between the the Oregon win and, and a Big Apple Cup. But they're um, so bad. Yeah, they took care of it. I thought the the defense played well. They got some guys in there. Maurice Himes had kind of a funny sack at the end, just pushing the guy to the ground. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, a lot of names out there people probably didn't recognize, which is kind of how, how Washington wants a game like that to end. So Also, uh, shout out to Dylan Morris. Like He got hosed on that INT. Like, that wasn't yeah, his that was fault. a bummer. That was a bummer. I was not happy to see that. Before we get to the picks, did you see that Nick Rolovich popped up in the news? Was it last week? Might have been the week before. Was- I saw he was back on Twitter and that he formally filed his lawsuit. Yeah, and then he was interviewed uh, on the one of the conservative talk stations in town. Um, if you look at his Twitter, it it's it's really kind of funny. Yeah, I I still follow him. I think, and I've seen some stuff. Yeah, his, pop up. His bio says, "I heard the bird is the word again." Second, the second tweet down that he retweeted right now, Novak Jokovic. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might have similar approaches when it comes to the vaccine. Ugh. That's at least a funny play on words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're fighting fishes. The finale, the fighting fish finale. I've Favorite come around. Four. I've come around on Jed Fish. Like, After that game, that's the game you come around on him. No, just in general. <laughs> like, no, I've been. I, I'm wrong. I'm. I'm not. I'm, I'm not too. I'm not too big to admit that I was wrong. Like I. I really uh, thought that this was this was he was going to do a terrible job with this team, and he's in general like he's 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 been good. He's done a good job with Arizona this year, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, their preseason win total was like two and a half, which I thought I thought they'd cover that easy, and they did. I thought Came they were the, short of the worst game. team in the conference, and they're not. They're like what the fourth worst team in the conference. Um. Well, they're certainly better than Colorado. Right now, I would take them over Stanford. Did they play Stanford? They lost to Cal. Gave 49 points to Cal. That was not good. Um, we'll find out if they're better than Arizona State. They might be the best team in the state. Yeah. You know, that's something. That's They're that's favored, progress. right? In the, what is, it, is this the Territorial Cup? I believe so, yes. It's the they're worst a four game, point, game ever. They're a four-point favorite. I'm taking the Fishes. Taking the fish. I am too. Go fish. Uh, ASU, you know, this is a, I think this is an underrated rivalry. Um, yeah, they get pretty spirited. They don't like each other. So like I, you know, you, ASU having an interim coach and being in a, a lost season and all that stuff. I don't know that it matters much motivation wise. I think they'll show up, but uh, I think, I think Arizona is better um, coming off of a rough, oof, rough performance, especially for Jaden Delora against his favorite team, favorite former team on Saturday throwing four picks. Yeah. Um, but I think they I think they get the job done. I think they finish five and seven. And I think that is a very, very respectable second year for for Jed Fish. By college football standards, I don't know. Maybe it's even worthy of a contract extension. We'll see. Yeah. If you're Arizona, you're kind of in a tough spot, right? Like he did more than you expected, but you gotta wonder what your ceiling is with him. Yeah. Tiebreaker bowl number one. UCLA visits California. Favored by 10 points also on Friday night. Well, if I'm going to catch you, I'm going to need to make some, we're going to need to make some hay here. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the bears. I could see this because, and I will note, I, if I, if I just, if I just wanted to hold on to my lead here, I would just mimic your picks, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick earnestly because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm an honorable gentleman. Um, I, I could see UCLA not being totally locked into this one. You know, they can't make the conference championship game. They're coming off of a a brutal loss to their rival and you know, <clears throat> this is a the the conference the the conference game in the final week after your rivalry game is just always kind of weird to me. Yeah, it's tough. So, I and they're on the road and, you know, Cal's probably feeling pretty good about covering five points against their rival. Forget about the win. Um, but Cal's offense is so bad. Cal's offense is terrible. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with UCLA covering the ten. I kind of want to take Cal, but I I just yeah I can't. Um, Chip Kelly is back as the most awkward interview in the Pac-12. You think so? Yeah, like he was he was interviewed coming off the field at halftime. In the USC game, Allison Williams was the sideline reporter. <laughs> she asked him because uh, the quarterback had thrown a, a pretty bad interception at the end of the first half. <laughs> and she asked him about, like, what what do you think of the way uh, he's playing? And Chip just goes, he's playing great. 
She was like, what about the turnover? He's like, it's football. <laughs> <laughs> you got to like that, though, if you're the it's player. It's great. Like, I lo- like because he came off as so smarmy to me before, and it's probably just because of my own Washington bias. Like, it's really funny. and But I think he's changed a little bit, too. Like, it's he used to come off as smug, and now he just comes off as like, you guys are making this so freaking serious where he's just like, it's football, man. Like yeah. He's going to make some plays and he's going to make some mistakes. He's out there balling. Like is is generally his approach to, to questions now, which I actually really like. By the way, what a miracle cover by Cal in that game, though, honestly. They're down 17-6 to six going into the fourth quarter. They're favored by five. Jackson Sermon returns a fumble for a touchdown to get him back within range. And then they close... They win the fourth quarter 21 to three. And what did you watch that game? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Stanford tries a, <laughs> makes a 61 yard field goal at the buzzer to lose by seven. The TV shot of the, the kick going through and then immediately cutting to, to the opposing team's head coach celebrating because the game was over and they'd won was, really uh, funny. was pretty funny. I don't know that I've seen, I don't, like, were they, were they hoping maybe that would go through the, the uprights with one second left and they could at least have a, Shot at an onside kick and a hail mary. I don't know, but I, I just chalk it up like you 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 want to do as much as you can, right? Like it's a rivalry game, and you want to make it look as respectable as possible. I, I have no clue. Um, for and like, there's never going to be a better time to let your kicker try a 61 yarder. <laughs> it's really it was very very strange. Uh, Dave Wyman had no answers as to why Stanford was doing that. Um, I kept interrogating him about like with all of the super smart, like, did you guys come up with a new formula for how that play was going to result in 10 points? Like, was there something that I was unaware of? Like, had you had, you, had, had there been some sort of calculations? He informed me I should quit bothering him. But you know what? You know how you can drop kick? Yeah. Um, place kicks. The drop kick should be worth more points than three. Completely agree. Like that should be that should be a way like for a 10 pointer. If you can drop kick a 61 yard field goal. There you go. Give them 10. Um, Oregon is favored by three and a half visiting Oregon State. That's a that's a great line. So they, I think they nailed that one. I'm I'm going with Oregon State because that's one of the permutations that's necessary, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and you you, you picked the first one, so. Right. Cuz so so it's you need Oregon to lose and then it's Utah or UCLA to use to lose is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I I got I I'm 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 on the Beaver train. Go Beefs. I'm gonna take them too. I kind of like them straight up. Um, I think after Utah showed that that uh, Oregon's offense can be slowed down, held them to 20 points, which I'm I'm surprised was enough for Oregon to win. Give the the Ducks defense a lot of credit. They played really well. Um, I uh. I, I, I like Oregon State in this one. I think um, in the in the the tiny but but very very loud mid renovation research stadium. That's going to be a fun atmosphere, and I'm hoping I can. So I'm staying in Spokane, and I got to drive. It's about an hour and a half to Pullman. Um, we'll you know we'll see if I can watch all of that one before I, I might have to hit the road ahead of you know in the fourth quarter or so. Maybe I can get a radio broadcast. But it's going to be a um, seven. It's seven thirty kick for the Apple it Cup. Is, yeah. That game's going to be mm-hmm. hammered. Oh, it is, and like, there's not snow in the forecast right now. But I just, you just know it's going to happen. It took three hours to drive back to Spokane after the 2018 Apple Cup, where it snowed, and uh, that was not fun. Yeah, that was that was that was the tough one for Jim Moore. I always feel bad because Jim ends up talking himself into, like, I don't even have any hostility for the Cougs. It's but the more Cougs talk and specifically Jim Moore talks, the more enjoyable the loss becomes simply because like you, you, you know, the pain that he's experiencing. Poor Jim. Yeah. He kind of deserves it too. Utah favored. I would say five score line of the week, but they could, they could, you could, you could get here in four scores. Utah favored by 29 and a half visiting Colorado. I'm going to take Colorado. I think Colorado's going to cover. You think so? I do. Um, I'm taking Utah. You got a chance to make up some ground this that's, week. That's that's the that that's it, it. It is a go big or go home sort of week for me. You think that the buffs will come in just 
super hyped for this historic traditional rivalry between these no these two bitter rivals i think that utah has the ability to to clunk it on offense like mm. i don't i don't think cam rising looked particularly good last game and it's not like they've got i mean cuz they put points up throughout this season but i think they've got the ability i'm i'm betting on the 30 i'm betting on the lumber here not on the buffs um does that game that game does it deserve a name? It's not technically a rivalry, but they always play during rival rivalry week. Yeah, I always think of it. It's like the they're like the leftovers, right? The leftover bowl, like the or I, I think they're the Pac-12 colonies. Like they're not full fledged like states. In, in the, they're they're the colonies. There are colonial possessions. How about like the the Rocky Mountain Hootenanny? <laughs> the Rocky Mountain conflict. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The mountain, the mountainous meeting. Yeah, mount meeting. Yeah. Um, USC favored by five and a half at home against Notre Dame. I'll take. I'm taking USC. Notre Dame's Notre Dame's not good. I am too, but I, I won't be surprised if Notre Dame gives them a game. The coaches saved his job, right? Like they've won five in a row and they beat Clemson. Yeah, they're eight and three, right? Yeah, you can't fire him. No, they did. It's just a bizarre season for them. Yeah, completely weird. Completely uh, weird. Speaking of leftovers, BYU visits Stanford in a a game nobody asked for. No, nobody wants uh, to see this game. BYU. BYU is favored by six and a half. BYU. Yeah. Uh, Stanford's Stanford. awful. They are very bad. And they're uninteresting. Like, it's worse. Like, at least Colorado's, like, bad but historically bad. And like Arizona State is bad, but you like you know there are some athletes on the team. Stanford is is utterly uninteresting. Yeah, horrifically boring. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the uh, what NFL evaluators think of Tanner McKee. Yeah, uh, are Stanford quarterbacks overrated? Um, when's the last time a Stanford quarterback's been good? Well, but when who's the I mean. Who's the last guy before McKee who, like, had a ton of hype around him? Well, no, but the the kid with the big neck that's in Davis Mills, I, he oh, was Davis like a third round pick, right? He was a pretty good player in college, I thought. Yeah, Kevin Hogan. I think Hogan was drafted. I think Hogan was a mid round draft pick, and like even Andrew Luck was the quarter, the the quarterback prospect of a century, and he's got a weird sort of injury history that I don't think anybody's ever fully acknowledged what happened to him uh, in his shoulder. But he didn't... I mean, even when he played, like it's not like he fulfilled the promise of that everybody expected of him being the once-in-a-generation quarterback. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, Washington, a two-point favorite Go in dogs. the Apple Cup. All day, every day. I think this is a I'm going to take Washington. Um I just think they I mean they have so much to play for and they've got you know if if they can go in and and win at Oregon, uh, I got to think that they can get it done in Pullman too. Not is not a great matchup for the Huskies. Um I think Wazoo has the best defensive front in the conference. They're very disruptive. They have really good edge rushers. This is going to be a test for their tackles especially. They have a really good linebacker in in Dayon Henley. They're coming off a game where they you know, put the clamps on an Arizona pass offense that put up 400 yards on Washington, and they, they got four picks last week. And you know, There's some playmakers on that on that defense. Um, Ryan Grubb talked today a little bit, excuse me, a little bit about, uh, you know, it, he likes that they've gotten the running game going a little bit because they're, you know, probably going to be playing in, what, 31 degrees at kickoff or something like that. Maybe it'll snow, maybe it won't, but... Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, these are two offenses, even though Wazoo hasn't been like really explosive moving the ball, they do rely on, on throwing it a bunch. Um, I really like their running back, Nakia Watson, very talented. Um, they got another guy Jenkins who who can do some things too. So, I mean, this might come, come down to two offenses that want to throw the ball, happen to run it a little bit more. And, you know, whose defense do you trust more? I think right now that's, that's Wazoo, but I, I do, um, I think Washington's going to be able to get enough done in the passing game, and I think you know their pass rush, which has also been 
the highlight of their defense can get a lot done against Cam Ward and against a, an offensive line that's that's kind of been the Achilles heel for Wazoo. So, you, like you said, this game, I mean, 7.30 in Pullman, maybe it's going to snow. Uh, a, a, a solid Wazoo team, a Washington team that's that's having a better season than people thought. A year ending in two, by the way, which is all, always produces something wild in the Apple Cup. Um I think it's going to be tight and something weird's going to happen, but I think Washington will pull it out and cover the two. Wait, hold on. That's true? Like, So 2012. Tim Booth had a, a tweet about it today. Oh, really? What was the 2012 Apple Cup? That was uh, Washington blew an 18-point lead in Pullman. Oh, they tried to draw. Suck. They tried to draw him off sides and got called for a false start and then missed a field goal at the buzzer and then lost in overtime when Tony Pole rumbled all the way down the field with a fumble. Yeah. That was I got I got in some trouble after that one. Yeah. I tweeted a picture of a clown and said that that's how Sarkeesians should have to dress for the season opener the next season given the way he coached in that game. Oh no. Yeah. Although that wasn't the that wasn't the harshest thing that I've ever tweeted about Steve Sarkeesian, so uh yeah. And then 2002 that's the backward ass game, right? It is, yeah. 92 is the freaking Billy Joe's suspended. and There's all the snow and what Philip Bobo goes sliding into the snowbank. Is that who it was? It was, yeah. Yeah, that game sucked. 82? Then, what happened in <clears throat> 82? Uh, Wazoo won. So it was their first game back in Pullman. They'd been playing it in Spokane for a while. Yeah. Wazoo's home home versions. Um and Wazoo won to keep Washington out of the Rose Bowl. Oh, ooh, that's horrific. So there's some there's some history of, of wildness, and Washington is uh, the favorite with more on the line. So you would think that they would be more susceptible to be on the wrong end of that. So we'll we'll see what uh, what 2022 produces. Uh, do you know what my favorite Rose Bowl story from a game that I wasn't at is? What's that? the year that Jim Moore, it was at Husky Stadium. And I, so I, I'm going to need to look it up. I think, which is the the touchdown pass to Spider Gaines, Warren Moon to Spider Gaines. Is that like 75? 75, yeah. So that's the game. Jim Moore goes to the, the game. Jim Moore grew up a Husky fan, like going to Husky games with his father and really liked the Huskies. He enrolls at the university, uh, or Washington State University at the ripe old age. Believe Jim went there at age 16, 17, because he graduated early from high school because he was uh-huh. some, somewhat of a child prodigy. And he went to Washington State early, but wasn't fully a Cougar fan, but eh, still kind of liked the Huskies. He wasn't as devout as he currently is. And it was the, the radicalizing moment was that 1975 Rose Bowl in which Warren Moon, they destroyed him. So maybe, maybe it's a 73, but it, anyway, Jim Moore is so dispirited by the Apple Cup that he watches uh, at Husky Stadium uh, in which Warren Moon uh, reigns, reigns, reigns destruction, terror, and mayhem down upon the Cougs that uh, that evening he was supposed to go to a wedding with his then girlfriend, believe one of her siblings was getting married. And Jim was so distraught that he just went home, didn't answer the phone, didn't show up for the wedding, and the next day got dumped. He so he he told this story on the air today. Did he? <laughs> yeah, it was, and I, I've heard it before. It was it was the seventy five game. It was the Spider Gains, uh, the Spider Gains game, and played in a driving rain, so it was also drenched on top of it. And he said he went home, and she was like, when she called, she's like, Jim, what happened? Why weren't you? <laughs> what do you mean? What happened? Exactly. It was like I thought she'd understand. <laughs> he said his he said his buddies were all, you know, like did. They're, they're Wazoo students, but they didn't take it really. They were joking about like, oh man, what a what a terrible way to lose a game. And he was like, this isn't funny. This is <laughs> this is terrible. That's how you know you're a fan. And he got dumped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say it worked out. Yeah. Yes, it did. It set him up for a lifetime of disappointment. <laughs> so you'll be watching this one from Yosemite. I will. I will uh, go down to Yosemite. There are going to be uh, 65 of us, 65 of the O'Neill clan uh, congregate in Wawona this year for, for Thanksgiving. Is there going to be, I know last year you said, I said, you know, you had enough for 
like some 11 on 11 football you said soccer is kind of the sport soccer guys... tends to be the sport um yeah we'll, we'll see we've got uh we've got some some ecuador ecuadorian fans who are going to be pumped up after the world cup opening victory over cutter uh u.s took a dispiriting tie uh today against wales which i was like when they were ahead i was like oh they're gonna beat wales and then i was like isn't wales like the size of rhode island like, <laughs> is it it's well, wales is freaking small man <laughs> i haven't been in the I, world cup in a long time and u.s tied them today i'll read this just because i just saw this pop up on my screen i um i put in a, a public records request a couple months ago for some stuff and you're not going to believe this, Danny, but they find it necessary to extend the response date. Stunner. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Tell them to get on it. Come on. <laughs> uh, enjoy the game, everyone. Enjoy the uh, the drive, the flight, the the midnight drive back to wherever you're going. Watch out for the fog and the ice and maybe the snow. Stay safe, Christian. You too. Enjoy Thanksgiving uh, or however you might celebrate it. And uh, we will talk to you next week.